Good evening. It is good to see each of you. And if you're visiting, thank you so much for being with us this evening. It is an honor to have you. If you'll open your Bibles to 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. In just a moment, we'll look at that passage of a way of introduction as we go to our text tonight of Romans 12. It is exciting to think about the many, many opportunities that God gives us to reach out to others and the way this congregation tends to do that over and over again. This morning we thought about the opportunity that God has given us for many, many years in this place to reach out to our neighbors. And that in itself is exciting. Also, we welcome back the Picklers, Buddy and Sissy and Marie, and, and along with Jeremy Keff, they have been on a mission trip to Peru this past week. It was a medical mission trip very similar to what we have been doing in recent years in El Salvador, and the success was amazing. 36 folks baptized into Christ, two restorations, and a lot of uh, wonderful seeds planted there. And uh, we commend them for investing their time, their energy, and their life. And that way, this past week, uh, our prayers were with you, and we're glad that you're home safely and that it has been such a great success, and to God be all the glory. Uh, we're also excited Phil Wagner was away this morning out and putting some final touches on the teenage mission trip. This year uh, is the first time, at least in many years, that this congregation has hosted a, or has sent a campaign of in a week, the end of this week, East Tennessee and our teenagers, adults, along with a vacation Bible school. And so we are proud of our youth that will be going on that and have invested a week of their summer in that way. We'll be prayerful about it, and we look forward to hearing more about that trip. Think about all of this. I'm reminded when someone is baptized into Christ and they truly are excited about being a Christian, or if someone has kind of been in a lull for years and years, and then they, what I call, become serious about serving God, there's almost two things that they always ask. Number one... Oftentimes they ask, it's a big book and I kind of get lost when I'm reading it and I don't understand what it's saying. I just want to learn how to study the Bible. And that is definitely a wonderful thing to consider and it is something that none of us ought to stop. And that is, we ought to always say, I want to learn more of Sometimes individuals say when they're serious about serving God, at the beginning of that journey, they say, I want to be used in God's service. I know that surely God has given me ability and there's a place for me, but I just don't know how to find my place in His body. I don't know how to locate what are my talents, what are my abilities given to use those. And tonight, let's look at a very fundamental lesson as we think about the idea of the gifts or the ability that God gives us and make sure that we're doing some things right in our life that will help us to find our ability that God has given us. And that's the key. We're going to talk about doing some things right that will make open those opportunities to learn what God's ability is. First Peter, the fourth chapter, by way of introduction tonight, let's pick up in verse 10 and read verse 10 and 11. First Peter 4 Verse 10 is an exciting verse, as he says, as each one 
has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I remember one of the first times I read this verse and really comprehended what it was saying, the exciting feeling that I had when I understood that God has given every person an ability to serve Him. There's no such thing as you and I going out and studying with an individual so that they can become a child of God and we baptize them into Christ and they come out of the waters on fire and they say, I want to do something to serve God. And we say, I was afraid you were going to say that. I've been watching you and you have absolutely no ability. There's no place for you in the body of Christ. There's no one that falls into that category. No one falls into that category. God has given everybody at least one ability, and He's given some many more than just one ability. But also by way of introduction, we see this as we follow. We're in verse 10 still. So He's given everyone a gift, but notice how it's to be ministered. Minister it to one another. When I think about what's my role in the body of Christ, I need to realize that what I'm saying is, what can I do to serve other people? That's how we find what our role, what our ability is, is finding it to serve other people. But when we drop down in verse 11, we see that all of that is to give God the glory. In other words, service is not about, look at me, I want someone to see me do this. It's what can I do to help people see Jesus Christ better. And just to make sure that from the Scriptures we're on the same page. Notice as we read in verse 10, he talked about everyone has received a gift. And notice when we go in verse 11, in the middle of the verse, he says, Let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. You see, they're synonymous there. God has given everybody an ability. God has given everyone a gift to serve others in such a way that it would give the glory to God. We sometimes, because of one parable that's in the Scriptures, we sometimes call this talents. We talk about, well, what talent has God given me? It's interesting that even the secular world has picked up on a biblical phrase that in its own, it was a denomination of money. It was a talent. But yet the way that parable taught, we oftentimes applied it to the abilities that we have in our life. And so therefore, many times when people talk about the abilities, they talk about the talents. But whether we call it ability or talent or gift, what I need to realize, that it comes from God. That's why I like the word here, gift. It's that God has given it to us to use in His service. And we'll talk about that a little more as we go over to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter. In Romans, the 12th chapter, let's read the first two verses and we'll see the first two points tonight as we think about how we find our place in the body. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, very familiar verses, but listen and read and study with me our place in the body. And if you want to scan down, you see verse 6, 7, and 8, several gifts were mentioned in 6, 7, and 8. So the spiritual gifts is the topic that's under discussion. But before we get to those exact gifts that are under discussion, 
he first talks about what kind of people we are. Do you see, if our heart's not right and our life of service is not right, we'll never be able to use what God has given us in an appropriate fashion. So first Paul develops who we are. Then he talks about what we can do. So let's talk about who we are. Verse 1 and verse 2, Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Number one this evening, I need to realize that I will have a very difficult time ever finding my place in the body if I am not fully committed to God. In other words, someone is baptized into Jesus Christ and they come out and they're not really serious about their relationship to God. They're not planning. Their idea is, I'm just going to attend on Sunday. What you're going to find is six months later, a year later, that person is going to say, I've had a hard time finding my place in the church. I've had a hard time finding... we're not ready to commit ourselves wholeheartedly to God seven days a week, 52 weeks out of the year, every day of our life, we won't ever find our place in the body. When we think of sacrifice, sacrifice, which was a slaughtered animal up on an altar. And so immediately, just... Bear with me here as we think out loud to God and we say, God, do you want us to make a sacrifice? What animal do you want us to slay? And God says, oh no, we're not talking about slaying an animal. I want your bodies. Being willing to offer His Son. Lord, do you want me to be offered on an altar? He says, no, no, we're not talking about a dead sacrifice. But God says, I do want it to be a full sacrifice. I want it to be your life in sacrifice to me. A living sacrifice. Now I know a few weeks ago I used this in my Sunday morning Bible class and I beg your indulgence here, uh, pardon here as, as I use the same illustration twice, but there's a little bit of humor to this illustration, but it makes an awesome point. It really does. The chicken and the pig were so impressed by the care of the farmer that they decided they needed to do something for the farmer. And they thought and they thought, and finally the chicken says, I know what we can do. We can cook breakfast for the old farmer. He loves to eat breakfast every morning. Let's cook breakfast for him and show him that we're thankful for his care. And the pig's starting to backpedal here. He says, wait a minute. I don't like the sound of this. He says, what do you mean? Chicken says, this would be wonderful. She says, we can have eggs and bacon. And he says, see, I knew where you were going with this. He said, for you, for you, it's just a contribution. For me, it's a commitment of life. Which one do you view Christianity? Friends, there's a lot of people that were in the pews this morning that their view of Christianity is, I'm going to make a contribution. I'll contribute a little bit of money on Sunday, and I'll contribute a little bit of time on Sunday morning, but that's my Christianity. And we have to ask ourselves, 
Is that what God wants? Is it somewhere in this Bible that God just wants us to contribute a few things? I'll contribute a little bit of energy. I'll contribute a little bit of my time. I'll contribute a little bit of my possessions. God says, no, that's not at all what I want. God says, I want it all. I want your whole life. Whenever you and I are willing to give our whole life in service to God, it's like our eyes are opened and we start seeing opportunities to serve God. I want to beg you tonight. If you've had a hard time finding the opportunities to serve God, it may not be a problem with your abilities. It may very well be a problem with your lack of commitment. But the second thing that we see out of verse 2 is that it also is very hard for us to find our place in the body of Christ the way He's designed it if there's too much worldliness in our life. You see here in verse 2, He says, Don't be conformed to the world, instead be ye transformed. The word conformed here to the world is a very interesting concept. Those of, and at least in this analogy, I would put myself definitely in the older generation here. Many of you in the older generation, you're going to relate easily as we define the word conformed to mean to be patterned after. Many of you ladies have sewn for many years, and so immediately you understand what it is to have a pattern and follow a pattern. Maybe some of you men have worked with your hands in machine shops, and maybe you've worked with your hands in construction, and, and you know what it is to go into those sites and have patterns that you had to follow if this structure was ever going to be completed the way it should be completed. Others of you know what it is to take a blueprint and to build something based upon that blueprint. Now, so many things are ready-made today in our day and time that the younger generation may not as quickly identify with that. But you know how else this word is defined? Not only is to conform to be patterned after, but also it means to be fashioned after. And I would say most of our younger generation would quickly identify which cars are fashionable cars. Which clothing is fashionable clothing. Which shoes, which accessories are fashionable and quickly, oftentimes, the younger generation in just a moment's glance can identify when something is out of style. They quickly would identify that that's not fashionable to wear. I was so thankful the other day for the update as my little girls, my daughters, they don't like me calling them little girls, my daughters came running up to me and they said, Dad, pink shirts are in right now for men. I was like, hey, I better go buy me a pink shirt. And of course, you know, me not being the fashionable guy, I still don't have a pink shirt. But I'm sure some of you guys are in fashion. You know that pink shirts are in for men right now. Well, what does it mean to be fashion? Think about this. To be fashioned means to be molded. In other words, that fashion. Someone sets the pattern... If it's the world that we pattern after, if it's the world that sets our fashion, we're going to have a hard time ever finding our place in the Lord's body. Because instead of seeing God's will and the opportunity to serve God, we're going to see the world. And the world is in darkness. That would make us in darkness and we're blinded to the light and to the opportunities that the light gives us. I thought it was interesting I received an email the other day about a little girl named Ella Gunderson. She was from Redmond.
of the styles that they had for sale, the lowrider jeans were too low and the tops were so tight that everything was, was too tight and showed too much. And so she said, can you just point me to some other styles? And the sales clerk told her, said, there are no other styles. That's all we carry. What would you do? Well, just start wearing it. After all, that's the fashion of the world. So would you just wear what would be indecent, but just say the world's formed that fashion and I have to follow? I thought it was interesting. This little girl sat down and she wrote them. She wrote them a letter that really gained some of the highest attention in this company. The executive vice president And they agreed with her and promised to educate the purchasing managers and the salespeople. The goal will be to offer fashion options. I hope they keep their promise. And I hope that we have more people in the world that do something right in a world that is too oftentimes we settle for conforming. We don't have to conform. And I believe there's enough people that are concerned with righteousness that we can have a voice that can be heard. But if we just constantly say, well, that's just the way the world is, and we become that, and something else, and that's just the way the world is, and we become that, and something else in our life, and we say that's just the way the world is, and we become that. Then all of a sudden we say, I just can't seem to find my place in the body. When's the last time you hunted for something in the dark? Isn't it aggravating? When you really need something, and maybe it's the middle of the night, and maybe you're scared, maybe you're in a rush, maybe it seems to be an urgent situation, and you can't find the light switch, or you can't find what you're looking for, we can have serious intentions of finding our place in the body of Christ. But if we are in the dark, conformed to the world, we will never be able to see that opportunity that the Lord places before us. Let's see a third thing as we read verse 3 and 4. We're now in the same paragraph of those, those gifts that are listed. Look at 3 and 4 here. For I say... Through the grace given to me, let everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same functions. A third thing that we learn that blinds us from finding our place in the body of Christ is when we have too much pride. Whenever we think more highly of ourselves than what we ought to think, we'll never find our place in the body. Now keep in mind what we learned from 1 Peter just a few minutes ago. When we find our place in the body, who are we going to serve? We're going to serve each other. Well, what if I think I'm better than you? Serve you, I'm going to honestly think in my, in my heart, I don't have to do that, I'm better than them. The truth is, I'm not even going to because I'm going to think I'm better than you. And then, 
preaching, I'm going to say, I just can't find a place to serve in the Lord's church. Arrogance never finds a place to serve in the Lord's church. Only those with the humility of heart find the true service in the Lord's church. You know very well the example of Jesus before He went to the cross. He taught all of His and reminded His apostles, the apostles, that He was the Master. He was the leader. He just led the Passover celebration. And He bows down to wash their feet to show them the importance of humility and how that is intertwined with service. I must be reminded that simply because we have different gifts doesn't mean that one is more important than another. He closes verse 4 by reminding us that various people have various gifts. We all have different functions, but we're all so very, very important. You remember 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14? Those three chapters are about... At Corinth, whenever those that spoke in tongues thought their gift was so much better than the others. And so they, in their arrogance, created problems in the life of the church. And that's where 1 Corinthians 13 is right in the middle of that. It's the love chapter of the Bible. Where, what is the context, the text for the love chapter of the Bible? It's about using our gifts in a humble fashion. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. Now, there's many other wonderful applications that can come out of 1 Corinthians 13, but it's how the heart, the motive that we should have in our heart to use the abilities that God gives us, to be kind, to be long-suffering, not to be envious, and, and to love righteousness and pull away from wickedness and to bear with one another. And on and on the list goes in 1 Corinthians 13. Why? Those that are humble can find a place to serve. But finally this evening... Skip down, if you will, with me to Romans, the 12th chapter. And let's look at the final point, and that is coming out of verse 11. Romans, the 12th chapter, in verse 11, he says, Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Lagging, the idea of, of pulling behind, dragging behind. The idea of not being serious about what we're doing. And then, if, you're, if you were here Wednesday night... You remember Wednesday night, we talked just very briefly about diligence. And and the word diligent comes from from two thoughts brought together into one. One thought is to make haste. In other words, when, when we are making something a high priority in our life, we make it something that we do quickly. In other words, if you said, I'm planning a trip and we're leaving first thing in the morning, you're making haste to go on that trip. If you just say, one of these days... We, we want to go out west and maybe see the Grand Canyon, etc., but we really haven't decided when. That's not a high priority. In other words, you're not diligent about making that trip yet because diligence means that we have prioritized. We are making haste. The other aspect of diligence is effort. It's when we work. It's when we give our energy to something. And so we bring those two together. And diligence is when we are working at something and it becomes a high priority in our life. Here he says... Don't lag in diligence. Fervent, fervent in spirit. It means hot. In other words, our service isn't cold. We're on fire for what we're doing. Well, what are we doing? You see, that can be one of the main reasons why we sometimes just can't seem to find our place in the Lord's body. It's because we really never have gotten serious about it. It's not a high enough priority that we work and give energy to. 
Have you ever seen someone look at something and maybe the end result of whatever it was was very wonderful? But they honestly, they're not joking, they honestly have said, that looks like work. And they've turned away and they've not done it. Even though they wanted the end result, they didn't want to do the work to accomplish it. There's two things I urge you to consider with me tonight. Number one, work is not a negative activity. It's not. We live in a society that praises the idea of getting out of work so much that my fear is even Christians begin to look at work as something negative. There is nothing negative about good, diligent labor. And I hope that we're raising generations of children that believe that same thing, that believe that going out and spending a Saturday afternoon working is not a wasted Saturday, that investing some of their time this summer in things that are productive, even though they may be hard, they may uh, create some sweat on the brow or, or maybe some aching backs, that there's nothing negative about work. Now, let's take that and lay down beside here, and now let's talk about the Lord's work for just a moment. If there's anything that we ought to be serious about, anything that we ought to make a high priority in our life, and anything that we ought to say, you know, it doesn't have to be fun. It doesn't have to be entertaining. This is the Lord's work, and I want to be active in it. That is what grows the kingdom. All the various ministries that we have an opportunity to be a part of, there's no reason for us to try, to even try to make all of those ministries entertaining. Then we lose the very purpose of them. And if our idea is if we make them entertaining, people will do them. The truth is, friends, we can't compete with the entertainment that goes on today in the world. What's the point? The point is you and I will do a lot better in our service to God if we just realize that God designed service to Him and His kingdom to involve work. Wouldn't it be a shame if we raised a generation of kids that thought the only way I'd be involved in a work project at church is if somebody made sure that we had some... Wouldn't it be a shame segment of our adults that thought the only thing they, way they would do something is make sure that there was some fun involved along with it. You know, we sometimes make the joke that, you know, if you're going to work with church people, you've got to have a good meal in there. Well, there's nothing wrong with eating a good meal. But bottom line is, there should never have to be a motive to get you and I to work in the Lord's kingdom except our love for Him. And that ought to be motive enough. Yes, as a Christian, there are many rewards. There are many times that we will enjoy serving together. And there are times that we can simply uh, sit down and visit or partake in entertainment just to enjoy entertainment. But I need to realize that some people never find their place in the Lord's body because they're always expecting it to be connected with entertainment. And if I can't find something fun... I don't want to have a part in it tonight. We've seen from studying through Romans, the 12th chapter, that if we're wholly committed to God, and instead of allowing the world to conform us, we're allowing Christ to transform us. And instead of being arrogant 
We want to humbly serve God. And we want to do it with diligence. Sure, it'll involve some work. But that's what we're here to do, is to give our life as a sacrifice to God. I believe that what Paul is telling us in this chapter, if we'll do those things, we'll find our place of service. Tonight, have you found your place in the Lord's body? 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 tells us that we are baptized into the body of Christ. If you've never been baptized into Christ and you're ready for that this evening, we rejoice with you and encourage you to do it now and to begin your life and your relationship with God in a saved condition. Maybe you've been baptized into Christ, and somewhere along the way, maybe you've lost some of that commitment, you've allowed a little bit too much of the world, or too much of self, or could be even just laziness. Whatever it is that's pulled you away from what God would want you to be, I tell you one thing, you can rest assured, this room is full of individuals that struggled in being what God's wanted them to be. There's not a person here perfect. I think every one of us would understand the need for anybody to rededicate their life. And instead of any fingers pointed, there'd be a lot of hearts of rejoicing. Let's make sure that in humility we leave here tonight serving God. And what a wonderful opportunity we have this week with Vacation Bible School in humbly serving the children of our family and of the community. Let's make sure we give our all in humble service to God. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.